Welcome back to the AP World History Podcast. We are looking at our second part of the Empires in Collision, looking at uh, Europe's influence or, or um, overtaking of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, now, they won't formally like take over the territories or anything like that, but we'll see their star rise uh, far above where the Ottomans were at this time. Uh, before we dive into things, though, let's, let's talk about the Ottomans uh, and do a little review on them. Uh, so, remember, the Ottomans come from, uh, they're a Turkish group. Uh, they came from the, uh, the Eurasian steppes and uh, came in contact with the old Abbasid Empire and um, adopted Islam through there. And then they kind of settled around uh, modern-day Turkey and they started threatening uh, the Byzantine Empire, taking over territory sl slowly from them, eventually overtaking the Byzantine Empire in 1453 when they... Uh, conquered the capital of Constantinople, and uh, they became the major power and replaced that that old empire. Uh, their empire stretched from uh, Europe in the north with uh, controlling the Balkans and Greece uh, in southeastern Europe, uh, with then controlling Turkey, going into Mesopotamia in the Middle East there, all the way down into Arabia, and then uh, it spread all the way across North Africa. So a very large empire, very much like the Byzantine was at its height. Um, but... Uh, this empire was not to last. Uh, they were the most powerful in the area and were a constant threat to the Europeans. Um, and we see that with like uh, sultans like Suleiman the, the Magnificent or Suleiman the First, uh, who uh, challenges Europe and almost uh, conquers Vienna, uh, but is unsuccessful, uh, which keeps him from getting more of a foothold in Eastern Europe. Uh, but... Uh, everything kind of goes downhill after uh, Suleiman I. Uh, it's a slow decline, but by the time we get to the 1800s here, uh, we're starting to see that uh, the Ottoman Empire is no longer this strong uh, man uh, on the edge of Europe, but instead they are the sick man of Europe. And uh, the reason for this is we're seeing them starting to lose uh, territory, lose control of that territory that they once had. Uh, they don't have as strong a control over it because uh, they're being infringed upon or infringed upon by the uh, Europeans or attacked by the Europeans uh, with uh, especially Napoleon who tries to invade Egypt and take over Egypt for himself. And uh, so you see the Europeans pushing in there, although Napoleon wasn't successful, that weakened their influence in Egypt. Uh, we also see uh, Napoleon uh, inflicting damage on the Ottomans again with his uh, conquest eastwards uh, from France, taking over most all of Europe and uh, jumping into Russia uh, because the ideas from the French of nationalism will spread to the uh, regions in uh, the Balkans and in Greece and will lead them to rise up and rebel and, and revolt against uh, the Ottomans and eventually win their independence. And so we see territory being lost. That territory being lost is then going to mean the uh, government is losing revenue. And if the government losing, is losing revenue uh, through that, uh, they're going to uh, not have the ability to, to pay to modernize or even to pay back their loans. And it would have been bad if they were just losing territory, but it gets worse than that. Uh, they're also losing revenue because no one's really trading with them much anymore because, well, the Silk Road is gone and dead. Uh, no one needs to travel that dangerous route, and uh, it takes longer to do that than it does to sail a ship around the southern coast of Africa or South America. And so, uh, and the Europeans don't really have access to that land route, so they're like, well, we're going to use ships. And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds great. We'll, we'll do that stuff instead, and we get to go around the uh, Ottoman Empire because we don't want to trade with that, um, that, uh, 
that Muslim empire. So they uh, they go around and, and circum or, or yeah they circumnavigate the world to do that, and uh, they'll make more money that way anyways. So they're losing out on money there, and also this weakness of the government being seen through the conquests of or the attempted conquests of Europeans will lead landlord or local lords to stand up and. Uh, take more control and and give less to the uh, government in uh, Istanbul, and so uh, without all this, there there's going to be a lack of industrialization or modernization. Uh, it's going to be really tough. And then you have some uh, old conservative groups, especially the Janissaries, uh, which will become ineffective, but will also resist uh, the change that is needed to modernize uh, the the empire. But uh, that's not to say that the Ottomans didn't try to modernize the empire. They definitely did. Uh, it just wasn't very successful or it wasn't enough. So uh, one of the first guys to really try this is a dude named Selim III. Or I shouldn't say a dude. He's the sultan. Uh, but he uh, tries to reform things. And uh, his reward for trying to reform things is he gets uh, deposed, uh, thrown in jail, and eventually assassinated because the Janissaries didn't like what he was doing. Uh, his uh, successor, Mustafa, tried to do some stuff uh, and reform the military and bring in European advisors and modernize it some, but uh, the ulama, the religious community, and the Janissaries uh, didn't like that idea. Uh, it, 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 it impeded their power, uh, lessened how much influence they had, and so they rejected it and uh, undermined it as much as they could. Uh, we finally start to see like major changes, and this is the one thing you really need to remember with this, with the modernization of uh, the Ottomans, is a program known as Tanzimat, uh, or reorganization. And uh, this was a uh, social, legal, and economic uh, reform bill or reform idea to try to fix things up. Uh, one. Uh, the goal was to create new factories. Uh, they wanted to redistribute the land, bring in new technology, transportation, and other things to modernize the industries in um, in uh, the Ottoman Empire. However, they're not able to do enough. It's it's too little, too late. Um, then uh, all groups, whether you are a Turk or a Egyptian or whatever, an Arab in the empire. Uh, all got equal rights. That happened in uh, 1839. So that brings about social equality, uh, trying to bring in more people. Uh, that also makes uh, more government positions available to more people. So hopefully you're getting your best and brightest in there. Uh, but this will undermine the Janissaries. Uh, but the Janissaries will eventually be kicked out and, and erased. Um, this would also lead to more people needing education. And also women got more education. And um, that led to... Uh, salons, they adopted the idea of salons or these uh, thinking, um, uh, I don't want to say parties, but thinking chambers of uh, bring people in and, and philosophize about uh, different ideas on things uh, for both men and women, uh, just like we saw in, in France during the French Revolution uh, and after that, uh, all during the Enlightenment. And uh, it led to the uh, empire becoming more secular, uh, bringing in those ideas and Western um, but, uh, there, there's going to be a major push there from some people and, um, it'll go so far, uh, with Westernizing that people hope that a democracy comes in, but that will be, uh, kind of quashed. Uh, but by the end of the, um, Ottoman empire, they're starting to be really influenced by a group known as the young Turks, uh, who's really, they, they come from this idea of this reforming. They go, yeah, this is a good thing. Yes, we need to be more uh, Western 
and European to modernize and, and do this kind of thing. And so we start to see them uh, uh, really being able to push in uh, or influence the government. And um, by 1908, um, they uh, have a major influence. And uh, when things will fall apart uh, during World War I, uh, there will be a major influence on um, changing the Ottoman Empire. One, uh, leading to its uh, collapse. Uh, but two, setting up a new Turkish state, uh, that is the modern-day Turkey, and uh, having it be a democracy. And uh, this nationalism for Turkey, uh, which stems from the French Revolution, like we saw here, these ideas coming in that the Turks are different than the Arabs, who are different from this group and this group and this group, um, will then lead the Arabs to say, hey, no, we, we, we should have our own state too. If you guys get your own, we should get our own. I mean, it's nothing says that the Turks better than the Arab. And so this will lead to uh, regions like Saudi Arabia, uh, although those borders were established by the Europeans and not necessarily the uh, Arabs themselves. Um, but it will also lead to um, women getting more rights from uh, the young Turks. Uh, but... Uh, there are some bad things that come with the Young Turks. We'll talk about this more in the modern era, uh, especially when we look at genocides, but it'll lead to uh, them persecuting a group of Armenians that are in the empire and lead to the Armenian Genocide, which the, the modern-day Turkey doesn't recognize, but um, was, was definitely a kind of a, a, a bad time in history, and it was a, a, gave us a foreshadowing of what could happen uh, when ethnic cleansing went on and would be a major foreshadowing for World War II. And... Um, the Nazi uh, Holocaust, or the, well, the Nazi uh, attempt at exterminating the Jews with the Holocaust. Now, um, <coughs> how did uh, the Ottomans look uh, in comparison to Europe? Uh, again, like we said, they're, they're a sick man. They, they don't do the reforms that are necessary. It's too little too late. They don't get industrializing stuff, and they just continue to rely on the Europeans more. I mean, it's cheaper and easier to get everything from Europe, so why waste the money and make it yourself? Um, in the long run, that would have helped out a lot, but uh, they, they, they don't do it. Um, they, they become very much like China uh, with what we see. Uh, different European powers get spheres of influence in, in other areas, so they're kind of like colonies. They're not fully controlled colonies or anything like that, but they're, they're kind of like colonies. And uh, they can't stand up and really push against the Europeans, either economically, economically or politically. Um, and so that'll lead to nationalism happening and, and revolts happening. In China, we saw the Taiping Rebellion. In the Ottoman, we see uh, Arab groups and other groups looking to rebel and create their own uh, regions uh, and states. Uh, both will eventually fall uh, around World War I. Uh, the Qing Dynasty will fall before World War I happens in 1911, but the Ottoman Empire will fall after World War I or at the end of World War I after they've been uh, completely uh, wiped, or, or well, not wiped out, but exhausted from the war. And uh, they'll be on the losing side of it with the central powers of Germany or Prussia at the time and, of, um, and the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And uh, both rejected um, 
kind of both tried to reject traditions for modern uh, modernization, but uh, there's too much resistance to changing those traditions to actually allow a full modernization. So uh, we see kind of like a push for modernization in maybe public life, uh, but in private life, uh, things still focus on those traditions. In uh, the Middle, in, in the Ottoman Empire, we're talking about uh, focus on Islam, and in China, we're talking about Confucianism, Buddhism, and Taoism, and so. Um, they're very similar in what happens to both these empires, and uh, we can see the the downfall coming from them in the near future. Uh, but uh, we're now going to take a look at the one empire or the one region that said, "Hey, we're not going to end up like that." Uh, and so we're going to take a look at Japan next on uh, on the AP World History podcast. <laughs>